probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me for the new year is... Katie Mello. Hey, thank you for coming on. Thank you. So, uh, Katie, before we get into this minute, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of what you do and what your connection is to The Thing? Are you a big fan of the movie? Oh, big fan for sure. Um, I, my name is Katie Mello, and I am a character fabricator for Stop Motion Puppets, a very silly title for what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have been working in the stop motion industry for about 20 years now, and I've worked on TV and movies and mostly television commercials, which is actually more fun than TV and movies, even though it's not quite as glamorous. Oh, and I work at House Special, I should say that, I guess. Um, and I I guess I worked on Coraline, and I worked on the TV show called The PJs back in the day. Um, and right now, you might recognize my work. Uh, I make Mr. Peanut for Planter's Peanuts. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty fun. So, you know, Mr. Peanut is a little different than the movie we're watching today, <laughs> but um but I think you're you're a pretty big fan of the movie. Do you have uh do you remember like the first time you saw the thing or or your kind of history with it? Well, I don't remember the first time I saw it because I think I was so interested. I've been trying to as I've been listening to your show, I've been trying to think when did I see it first? But <laughs> I've been so interested in special effects and practical effects and I would read Starlog and Fingora and I would just buy all these books and so I'm sure that I watched scenes and learned how they were made long before I ever actually saw the movie. So seeing the movie is sort of secondary to the effects parts of it. But I, I do remember on the, the new millennium, the year 2000, but actually 2001, which was the actual millennium, because mm -hmm. there was like 99, 2000, seemed like the more glamorous of the two. Uh, I was at a beach house with some friends and we, <laughs> we watched the thing to sort of roll in the new year. And I was like, oh, that seems pretty good. <laughs> And then recently for Halloween, I live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, there's this really great theater called the Hollywood Theater, and they had a 70 millimeter print. So uh, my husband and some friends got to see the thing on the big screen with big sound, uh, an original print. It was really cool, except it, because it was an original print, the ink had faded so much mm -hmm. that it was actually not quite black and white, but it was almost red and white. Oh, wow. And all the snow scenes really, um, they almost made you want to put on sunglasses. <laughs> they were so like, <laughs> bright and white on that big screen. It was really great. And it, I just, I was really so impressed with a movie I'd seen a lot, you know, just sitting down and watching it. And it was so exciting and so great. And I couldn't remember what, you know, you remember the beats of it, but I couldn't remember what happened to specific characters and everything was still... Yeah, just as exciting and just as suspenseful. It's a, it really has held up. It's a really great movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such, it's such a wonderful experience to get to see it in theaters. I'm, I'm happy to say I was able to a couple of years back to one of the local theaters uh, showed a 35 millimeter print of it, and it was 
pretty awesome. So b- bad color or not, I'm glad it was a, a fun experience on your end too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's so fun to see it with a bunch of people. And yes. I was just laughing at myself because when, especially like the chest burster scene, mm-hmm. like chest bursters, alien, but the chest scene and <laughs> yeah. like all this stuff, I just was like smiling and laughing because <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I always get drawn into the movie, but then there's always that one side of my brain where it's just like the the sheer creativity of it and and the amazing work that these guys did on this movie yeah. is is just kind of too fun. I mean, it's I, it's the same way I feel when I watch like Evil Dead too. I just, oh, yeah. I can't help like to me it's funny. Everybody watches that movie because it's like a you know it's a great horror movie. It's a great midnight movie. It's funny and all that. But I watch it because like it's the most inspirational <laughs> movie to me because it's so fun to watch. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's awesome. Um, so yeah, today we're we're getting into uh, one of the coolest parts of the movie. We're we're real close to the end here. With um, we're starting with minute ninety six of the thing, which uh, starts with Gary unspooling some wire as they start to set the explosives in the basement of the uh, of the outpost, and then ends a minute later with uh, Nalls prepping his explosives. And you know something might have happened to Gary in in the meantime. Um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so when we start, it's this whole minute, uh, or most of this minute, is very, very quiet. It's um, it's there's uh, basically no music, at least at the beginning, and it's just kind of them, you know, very quietly setting up. They're not talking to each other, so it's very kind of solemn and eerie. And uh, you know, Gary's Gary kind of wanders off on his own to start setting his charges, and then uh, his uh, in in a classic horror movie style, his flashlight starts to go out. Which um, I don't think I really even noticed that before because it's kind of funny. It's almost like he starts to get annoyed with it going out before it actually starts to go out. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, he uh, so he, he's got that weird hat that has a flashlight attached to it, which I kind of want one. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he takes his hat off and tries to fix it, and that's when that's when our our, our good buddy Blair shows back up, Wilfred Brimley. I hadn't noticed that's what he was trying to do. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever really noticed that either until I was taking notes for this minute earlier today, specifically, that that's why he kind of stops what he's doing uh, and takes his hat off. Now, now when we see Blair, what is that noise? I don't, it's, it's definitely a synthesizer. And, um, I love it. Yeah, I, I do too. It's the exact same noise that they use earlier when um, when the power goes out and Fuchs is going to like investigate and that weird shadow passes in front of the camera. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same noise. It sounds very, very similar. And um, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not a synthesizer expert, although I'm uh, you know a sound person. But I think it's it's definitely got some kind of like heavy modulation on it to get that really kind of shocking uh, you know wavering sound to it. And it's it's definitely just one of those like jump out of your seat sounds. <laughs> it's so 80s horror movies. Now totally. that now that we you say that, I wonder if they use it in Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's funny. I'd have to go back and watch for it because, yeah, that would be definitely up their alley to use. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah, I love how, uh, so Blair's entrance is kind of amazing. Like, it's almost like he hovers into frame a little bit. <laughs> so good. Um, he like kind of, like maybe he slid on the ice in or like <laughs> no, knowing what he looks like later in a few minutes. I Every time I see this, I almost wonder if like, he, like the bottom half of his body is just that, that big tentacle and he's like slithering in. <laughs> nice. Like Medusa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Medusa Wilford Brimley. Nice. So his, and then we get his attack on Gary, which is equally 
creepy and no, awesome. Really good. I want to talk about Wilfred, Br- Wilfred Brimley for a minute. Yes, of course. <laughs> I was super excited that I got Wilfred Brimley minutes <laughs> or moment, I should say. <laughs> um, so when I saw this in the 70 millimeter, and I was skipping ahead a tiny bit, uh, his credit is A. Wilfred Brimley. And I saw uh-huh. it with my friend, Joe Gores, and he said, A. Wilfred Brimley, he's the Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> So now I like to call him the Wilfred Brimley. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember Wilfred Brimley. I I think I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was only on for two years, so no one's going to remember this. But there was this show called Our House with Chad Allen and Shannon Doherty, and he was the grandpa, and he lived in the house with them. And you know, kind of taught them the ways of the world and whatever. <laughs> and I watched it, which had more to do with, in the 80s, there was only three channels to choose from because yeah. it was not a good show. <laughs> but I always had the distinct feeling like he didn't like the kids at all. <laughs> like he was there like so much. He was so Wilford Brimley and he was there to earn a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get the impression that Wilford Brimley likes anybody all that much. So that doesn't really surprise me. Uh, yeah. And Shannon Doherty, I don't think is high on the, anyone's list. Right. <laughs> That's really funny. I, you know, I've never heard of that show, and you, you're the first person to bring. Most people remember him from uh, either the Quaker Oats uh, commercials. Oh yeah, definitely. Or, yeah. or the uh, I, for me, he's always been the diabetes guy from the uh, Liberty oh, yeah. Medical ads. <laughs> definitely. It's, yeah, uh, this was. I was surprised. I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, two seasons. No one's going to remember that." But <laughs> when was that on? Do you know? It was like oh, eighty six to eighty eight. Okay. And so, I'm sure it doesn't exist anywhere. It was not a good show. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to see if I can find some clips to post of that now because I'm really curious. <laughs> really oh, yeah, see for sure. Grandpa, Grandpa Brimley uh, doling out advice to the kids he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. I uh, it, Like, when you do you remember, I, mean, I know you said you didn't remember the first time you saw this movie, but like, do you remember seeing this and being like, what is that guy doing in this? <laughs> oh, Wilfred Brimley? Yeah. I don't, I, I remember being excited about him because I, you know, you know who, um, uh, <laughs> I'm terrible with names, the main character, Kurt Russell, Yeah. you know who Kurt Russell is. And so then I had another person that I knew, oh, I know him. That's the grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I also love his scene, um, when he's talking through the window and he's got the noose behind him and he oh, says, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling better now. I'd like to come in. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we had some cats that ended up being so incredibly naughty they had to have some outdoor living and the one cat you looked out the back window and it would always say i'm i'm feeling better now i'd like to come back in <laughs> yeah i think my, my cat has those moments where she goes a little crazy and i think it's uh that's pretty appropriate i'm gonna now i'm not gonna be able to think of that without uh <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah to me uh it was i didn't make the connection that wilford brimley that the the diabetes guy and the and Blair from the thing were the same person until many years after I had started liking this movie. And it, when I found that out, it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the lack of the mustache threw me. <laughs> oh, did he have a mustache? Usually that I would remember that. That's funny. Yeah, and in, in almost everything, he has a mustache. This is um, like in the Quaker Oats commercials and the and the and the uh, Liberty Medical commercials. He's got he's got a mustache. Oh, did he have a stash as the grandpa? I feel like he must have. I'm picturing him with a mustache, but you know what? He looks different in this, and that's obviously why. That's funny that I didn't. I was like, I just thought he looked younger, but I think yeah. it's the mustache. <laughs> I was funny. sort of horrified to see how young he is in this. I was, 
Uh, he did Cocoon, mm-hmm. which is another one that sort of lost to history. I don't think it's sort of survived as well. Yeah. Um, but it's a bunch of super, super, super old people that uh, find this these aliens crash and then they make them all young again. And I was fairly horrified to learn that I think he's like 50 in this or not even 50. And in Cocoon, he was like 51 or 52. <laughs> So I don't know how old your listeners are, listeners are, but boy, 50 is not that old. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, that always kind of surprises me, too, because he definitely seems a lot older. He um, seems like a really old guy. Yeah, like I it's, I think I have looked up before some pictures of a young Wilfred Brilliant, and it's it's like uh, it's hard to even imagine that he ever looked any different than this because even he looks totally. pretty much like this, like he does in the thing now, too. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, because he's like 90 now and he looks... Just a little bit older. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty pretty amazing. He's uh he's one of those guys that like I think he aged a lot between like forty and fifty, and then after yeah. that has pretty much stayed exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um and yeah, he also he looks a little younger in this scene too, uh, because he's not wearing his glasses for the first time in the movie. Oh um, yeah. Which is interesting. He's not wearing his glasses, and I actually didn't think about it until I was watching this just now that he's also not wearing his jacket which is, to me, is like, uh, I mean, obviously, we know he's the thing at this point. There's been a lot of hints, and then the fact that he's attacking Gary is, it pretty much uh, clinches the deal. But, yeah, I mean, it's almost like, you know, the thing doesn't need glasses, and the thing doesn't need to stay warm anymore. Like, it, you know, it's it's improved yeah, on Blair. Is, why is he wearing clothes at all, now that you say it? Now, that would be creepy. Huh. <laughs> top, top things on my scary list would be a, uh, a naked Wilfred Brimley attacking <laughs> me in a cave. definitely up there that makes it a whole different movie if the thing couldn't make clothes and then he was walking around and he was like hey everybody it's just me i'm totally normal but (laughs) they don't have any clothes on all the time (laughs) i think the movie would be a lot shorter if uh... (laughs) (laughs) what are you looking at why do you think it's me (laughs) yeah what's what's up guys (laughs) just coming in to play some ping pong in the rec room nothing to miss here because it worked just fine with the dogs, so maybe they'd never figured it out. And it's like, why do they always know? Yeah, <laughs> it can't. It doesn't realize that that's why they keep figuring it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, thankfully the thing is a lot smarter than that, and the movie <laughs> movie's a lot more interesting without uh, without naked aliens running around. <laughs> <laughs> so I I love the scene of Blair attacking Gary. I, oh, yeah. I think it's a super cool, uh, it's a really interesting just way to do it, I think, because it is a, it's a simple effect. Like, um, in a little bit, we'll get into kind of how the movie is vastly different in the script for this last kind of, uh, last sequence of the movie. And it's, that is in the script, it's much, much more complicated with way bigger effects and things like that. And I think the way they do it here is much simpler and, and, and it's actually really effective because of that. So, I mean, it's just, it's very creepy that Blair just kind of suddenly appears and he doesn't look, aside from the glasses and jacket, he doesn't look any different except that he's mm. like eerily calm. Mm. And then it's it's basically like he's just trying to cover Gary's mouth. Like you think he's just trying to keep him from screaming. And then you see that, you know, there's something way grosser and weirder happening where he's he basically like his fingers are somehow like assimilating into his face. They're like, you know, sticking into his skin and while he's covering his mouth, which is just one of it's, those super unsettling things to see. It's so jiggly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought when I first saw it, I thought it was just makeup and I thought it was the guy. I thought it was actually Gary. Mm-hmm. And I watched it over and over and over and I'm not 100% sure. I think it's probably a fake head, but boy, it's nice. It's really well done. I don't know what materials they used. I think it is actually the actor that it is Gary, 
But I, I the only thing I know because his eyes seemed to move, which made me think maybe it was. Yeah, the only thing I know specifically about this effect is that they did the shot where his fingers are actually like moving into his skin. They actually mm. did in reverse. So I guess they uh, they um you know they built these kind of pockets for his fingers on mm-hmm. on Gary's face, and then he you know they had a hand in there, and then they'd pull it out, and then when they reverse uh, it, it looks so like. Smart. It. There's I love a, reverse. I know. They use it so much in this movie, and it's so super effective. It's like the simplest, so oldest trick in the in the filmmaking book, and it works so well on, on in a lot of places in this movie. So good. Well, that would be a really... That effect is actually really easy. I was thinking, boy, that would be a really fun Halloween costume that would be really accessible. You, you could totally do that. A lot of this stuff, given the time frame, I think is probably just latex. Mm-hmm. So you could take latex gloves take the cut the fingers off and glue those onto your face and then you just take latex and a um what are the, a makeup sponge yeah. and just sponge it around the edges to kind of blend it into your face and then people could come up and stick their fingers in your face <laughs> <laughs> well man now i totally this would be a great like um like two person halloween costume too you could have one, <laughs> one person be the gary and one person be the blair totally <laughs> although the, what, one person might be, get really tired of that really fast <laughs> that's why it would be really it's more fun for a picture than for a whole halloween yeah costume. <laughs> <laughs> it'd probably get old pretty quickly for for at least one person if not both <laughs> exactly um, oh, I'm going to drink my beer. Oh, no, you're not. Ah! <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it, it's pretty effective. It looks pretty real. The the latex uh, looks very much like part of Gary's skin. Like you really can't see mm-hmm. the see the edges anywhere. It's a it's an effect that I could watch a hundred times and still not really, you know, kind of see see the seams of it at all. Well, I was yeah, because I was watching it over and over, and I was like, oh, I can't decide, I can't decide. And it's all about this whole thing. All the effects work so well for angles and for lighting, and all like this is all about like this blue lighting on it, and it's fairly dark, and it just the effects are helped so much by lighting. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about sort of examples of that where lighting is your friend and isn't your friend, and on this lighting is so important. And I was. So if you remember the Robin Williams Jumanji, mm-hmm. he fights this really amazing animatronic lion. And it's like the coolest thing in the whole world. It's just before CG is totally taken over. This animatronic lion is beautiful. And it's in this bright daylight room. Mm. And it just looks like garbage. Uh. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> because if it had been in any kind of moody lighting, it would have looked great. And then Yoda is the same way. In mm-hmm. Empire, he lives in his dark swampy area and he looks fantastic and then the horrible new movies which aren't the new movies anymore yeah and the horrible <laughs> thank goodness in the horrible millennium movies they were putting him in sort of office space with office lighting and they tried with the puppets at the beginning and he just he looked terrible yeah so this is the example of these things look amazing because the lighting helps them to be everything that they can be yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's um it's one, uh, something I brought up a few times that uh, for a lot of these effects shots, um, Rob Bottin was he kind of fought with uh, Dean Cundy, the cinematographer, a lot over that because he kept wanting it darker and darker because he yeah. was worried people would see you know see his effect and thought think it would look stupid. 
Um, and, and Dean Cundy was like, well, we actually want people to see it, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> Such a fine line. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually really nice that um, in this in this one in particular, it's really cool because it's not just that it's dark. It's that the lighting is like constantly changing because there's like mm-hmm. there's the flashlight that's moving around still that I guess is maybe still in Gary's hand. And then there's like this kind of pulsing orange light that I guess is supposed to be from like the fire that's the, the, from the explosions they set in a, a few minutes back. And um, but yeah, otherwise it's very, very dark. So there's just like these kind of movements of lights around them, which mm-hmm. really kind of covers up a lot of that as well. It works works really, really well. Absolutely. So I had a couple notes um, about, uh, you know, some other stuff going on in this, this scene that um, this lead up uh, to Gary getting attacked was something that... Um, John Carpenter actually made the editor, Todd Ramsey, uh, extend these shots of Gary just kind of walking around, looking around. He, he wanted to make them as long as possible to really build up that suspense, which I, I think was interesting and a, probably a smart idea. Mm-hmm. V- this movie very much, if you, you can probably break it down by minute, looking at like there are huge chunks of like very quiet, um, very kind of suspenseful you know, parts of the movie. And then we get like very, very short, concentrated bursts of like, total insanity. <laughs> yeah. And this minute is a good, like kind of encapsulation of that where we get like 30 seconds where there's like hardly any sound. There's barely anything happening. It's just them kind of, it's just Gary kind of walking very slowly and, and, you know, unspooling the wire and, and checking his uh, flashlight and everything. And then all of a sudden we get like 15 or 20 seconds of like super crazy, like Blair shows up the loud noise, the, the attack with the face. Um, so yeah, it's the pacing of it is really nicely, nicely done and kind of, you know, shows how the movie works on a larger level too. Yeah, I watching these minutes was so funny because they're this minute and the next minute especially are so quiet and not a lot happens and they're slow and I just am wrapped attention like oh what's going to happen and you're and I feel like that's lost in movie making a lot right now where mm-hmm. there's just 2000 things happening at all times and something is moving in the screen at all times and and I find that my attention wanders much more quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said for like that, um, you know, that you need quiet for loud to work, mm-hmm, um, yeah. you know, and, and just as a as a scare thing, but also just really for anything. You don't want that like you can't keep up the same feeling intensely, even even the feeling of suspense. You you probably couldn't keep up for uh, the whole movie. But the fact that, you know, the the intense like, you know, gory scenes and stuff are kind of peppered throughout really kind of, you know, put a put a space even in the suspense to let that let you kind of get away from that for a minute before you go back mm-hmm. to it. Um yeah, so you're definitely right. It's it's really, really difficult. There's only I can only think of a few movies off the top of my head that can keep that kind of like action oriented or, or scary feeling going throughout. But um yeah. yeah, this movie the pacing is is kind of masterfully done. It's been one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is really kind of being able to kind of see very closely how that all works in this movie. And it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So after uh, after Blair's attack, we um, we just you know the, we get that kind of uh, creepy synthesizer build up a little bit, and Blair just kind of looks around, like you know, again, like very very calmly, like just checking to see if anybody sees or anybody's. He's you know so calm, yeah, so yeah. in charge of what's going on. Yeah, and it's so so uh, backwards from the Blair that we've seen for the rest of the movie, who's very much mm. like very involved and very active about like trying to figure out what's, you know, how to stop it or what to do. And, and now here he's just very quiet and very, uh, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. So it's again, very kind of unsettling. And and obviously we know something is very wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then then we cut back. Then we cut right back to that like just very very quiet suspense for the last last half of this minute. With um, it's just Nalls and Mac continuing to place their charges. Yeah, it's so nice to think that they're just unawares and they're just still doing their thing. Yeah, it's very creepy to think that this is, you know, that he's only probably 15 feet away from them as this is all mm-hmm. happening. So I had a, a couple things to to mention from, uh, I, I like to kind of go through the script and the, there's a TV version of this movie that um, is on the, it's on the <laughs> Blu-ray and it's a disaster. It's awful. <laughs> um, obviously they cut out a lot of stuff because it's, you know, too gory for TV and they censor the language and stuff. But on top of that, which would already kind of, you know, take a big bite out of what makes this movie cool. There's all kinds of just weird things that they edit back in or like uh, dialogue that they put in for no apparent reason. And this minute in the TV version has maybe the strangest example of that where um, when Blair pops out and starts to attack Gary, they put in some dialogue from Wilfred Brimley that ha- that makes no, it like hardly has to do with what's going on. So he says, uh, he says the whole damn world's in jeopardy. Nobody gets out of here. <laughs> Which is like, what? <laughs> so would you like to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's clearly he's not talking in this scene. Like, it's just so bizarre. And like, you know exactly what's happening. There's no reason for that dialogue to be put back in. It's such a weird choice. And uh, that is so weird. Yeah. The nobody gets out of here. I could, I mean, even though it's stupid, I could, that at least makes sense logically with what he's doing. Like he's trying to kill them. But the the first line, the whole damn world's in jeopardy. Like, why would the thing even say that? It's so, it's just so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Because from its point of view, this is a good thing. Right, exactly. And and yeah, and it's obviously trying to keep him quiet and you know, it's covering his mouth. So like why would it be like yelling this at him? It's so weird. It's <laughs> clearly weird. dialogue from like a much earlier scene that they just didn't use in the movie and like I don't know. It's just it's strange. But um also yeah. this 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 whole sequence in the TV version is covered up completely with music, which like mm. destroys all the suspense. So all these moments that we've been talking about where they're very quiet, all you hear is like footsteps and, you know, water dripping and stuff is all covered up with score uh, from earlier parts huh. of the movie, which is just like a no brainer. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> that is so weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's very strange. I think John Carpenter has called this TV version in particular of all all the TV versions of his movies. This one is like the biggest travesty because it just to- <laughs> totally ruins the whole the whole point of the movie. Huh. But um. And then, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned earlier that the script, this whole sequence is vastly different. Instead of them aiming to just blow up the base just to kind of, you know, take the thing with them uh, as they kind of, you know, blow everything up and, and leave the thing and the the crew no chance of survival. Um, in the script, they're basically, it's almost like a Home Alone kind of thing. They're like setting a trap for the thing. <laughs> uh, McCready thinks that because they're the last people left for it to imitate, it'll come for them eventually. And so they kind of like set up, uh, set up kind of all these traps with explosives and with a, like they electrify a door and they're waiting for, uh, for Blair to come for them. So, uh, roughly around this minute, uh, I'm trying to kind of approximate where, where this is in the script. Um, basically they kind of escape, uh, windows has just been killed by this, like gigantic, almost like it sounds the way they describe it sounds like a, it's like Godzilla sized Blair monster. It killed windows, but uh, Nalls, Mac, and Gary escape and they lock themselves in a room. And then weirdly enough, at this big like action set piece has just happened. They do this time jump where two hours have passed and they're wondering where the thing has gone. And so they're just waiting in this room for a little while, which is very odd. But um, hmm. 
it, it gets uh, gets a lot crazier later in the week when we we'll uh, we'll check back in on the script and, and see some kind of interesting stuff going on. But Ooh, um, I'm excited. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's that's all the notes that I had for this one. But uh, did, did you have anything else uh, for minute ninety six you wanted to talk about? I think that's about it for me. Except that I thought Gary looks like what I would imagine Macaulay Culkin to look like as an old man. <laughs> I could totally see that. Those like, although <laughs> I, I think I've, I think he's looking much better these days, but like there's that classic Macaulay Culkin picture that everybody sees when you look up like what he looks like now. And he's, he's that weird, he's got that weird facial hair and like, <laughs> he just looks very, Dad, this strange. is just my impression from when he was a kid. So maybe he is really starting to look more like this. You're right. Maybe this is what he'll look like. I think it's an accurate uh, prediction. So, <laughs> in, you know, in 15 or 20 years, we'll have to check back in and, and, uh, and see. <laughs> yeah, but awesome. I, I think that'll probably that'll probably do us for uh, for minute 96. But okay, great, um, thank you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that'll wrap up 96. But in the meantime, uh, don't forget you can always check out thethingminute.com for full show notes uh, on every episode. So that includes links to anything we talked about and. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put in some behind the scenes pictures if I can find anything like that. And I'll see if I can find some uh, some footage from uh, so our home. That was the show. Our we, house. Our house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll find some find some footage from our house of uh, Grandpa Brimley. And uh, yeah, but don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minutes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. (laughs) 